Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. The message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. Welcome to Silver Screen Unseen Podcast with me, Ryan Chisholm. This is episode three, and we are discussing the film which inspired me to kickstart this podcast, Baby Teeth. It's a mixed bag of genres in this one. There's drama, comedy, some questionable romance. It's certainly very unique, and this film really impressed me when I first watched it, and I was dying to have this conversation today. Joining me for this episode are two lovely Welsh pals of mine, Hannah Morgan, who, as we will hear from her, Hannah co-runs a mental health organisation called Heads Above the Waves, and is an all-round fantastic person and friend to myself. Also, we have Jake James Sylvester, who I connected with through the powers of social media, mutual friends, and like many other people that I get on this show, we connected through our love of films. We go into the film in depth, so if you haven't seen it already, go and watch it before listening, because this will be spoiler-heavy. Let's not waste any time, let's get to it. So we are into the second episode of Silver Screen Unseen Podcast, and I've got two lovely guests joining me today. So please welcome Hannah Morgan and Jack James Sylvester. Hello, guys. Hello. All right. You got the oh. full name treatment as well. <laughs> Sorry, I just took a sip of water as you, you were doing the intro and then just choked. So yeah, that, I wasn't dying. Hello. Hello. That's one way to make an entrance. We know, what a scene already. So we were just discussing, and I need to give my friend Natalie a shout out here, because me and Jack have never actually met in person. We've just been kind of like friend blind dated, haven't we really, between our friend <laughs> Natalie, who was like, you both love films, Get you know, you should be friends. And now here yeah. we are. I literally put up like a thing on that I, on Twitter, like, oh, does anyone have Letterbox? Like, you know, follow me. And Natalie was like, you two, like, get together now. <laughs> yeah. And I do have Letterbox now, because at the time I didn't, so... I'm getting there. Oh, um, I love it. Yeah. What's and Letterbox? It's like um it is it's kind of like a social media platform, I guess, but it's not really. You just you can like log your films on there. Um so you can like look at your friends and see what they're watching, see what they're writing. You can have like lists, you can have like like I've got a I've got a list called Feel Good Films and there's only five films in it, but they're like just films that you just like proper nice wholesome comedy. So if ever you're in the mood for like a film like that, you go to the list. And I've got like horror lists and things like that. And I, I make like private lists of things. You know when people are like recommend a film, and you're like, I'll add that to the list. With Letterbox, you can have a list. <laughs> have an actual list, so, yeah. so you have no excuse not to watch it. Yeah. So I've got. I'll just pull mine oh. up. So I'll uh, I'll give you an example of what's on my Letterbox account. We should probably plug. This our, is so uh, cool. Yeah, you need to get one, Hannah, because um, I, I do. My guest on the last episode, Charlie, wasn't aware either, and I told her go set one up, and we will plug it at the end when I kind of record an extra bit. So we'll do the same for you. I don't even know what my username is. Oh, mine's Chizzy underscore Rascal, but I might change that to keep in line with the podcast. But yeah, if I look at my list, so I've got my feel good films, which include the Peanut Butter Falcon. Oh, such a such a good feel good film. film. The way way back one, uh-huh. which I only found recently, but absolutely loved it. The fundamentals of caring. Have you guys seen uh-huh. that one? Is that with Paul Rudd? Yes, 
Yeah, they are. I loved I it. So like a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's just one of those ones where it's like just this simple. It's simple, but it's just nice. It's like yeah. a nice road movie. And that, that's yeah. what this that's what this list on my on my letterbox is for. Just those when you just want like a nice feel good film. So then the other mm. two in there, Booksmart, which is one of my absolute favorite films, and there Still will be. Still haven't seen Booksmart. Oh, you Still need to watch it. it. I'm gonna be. I'm definitely gonna do an episode on Booksmart coming up. And then the other film in the list. I need to get more films to add to this list. But Hunt for the Wilder People. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Again, heard of it, haven't seen it, but I've heard, yeah, I feel good. Yeah, but yeah, so that's that's uh, your introduction to Letterbox, Hannah. Well, I am, I am blown away. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give you your introduction. So we kind of just jumped into the uh, me and me and Jack not really knowing each other thing. So me and you have known each other for quite a few years. So you, well, you 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 tell us. I'll I'll stop chatting. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh my name's hannah and i um how do i know you ryan probably through team up oh yeah definitely um, the team up fat lip collaboration and yeah and so i'm nights. obviously a big fan of fat lip and we come over to bristol all the time to go to like um you know ian's nights they're sick and then um yeah i think we've probably just crossed paths through like being alternative djs and doing club nights and stuff and like I did some um karma shows over the summer that were really fun apart yep. from the second one where I for some reason misjudged my songs and ran out of songs and then was just <laughs> like ah and just trying to like stretch out yeah it was awful I was so embarrassed um I thought really you did fun. a great job when you uh so just side note because obviously this is separate from the radio but I do have like an alternative radio show and yeah Hannah's been you, you were even a guest on even just last week. So we did actually catch up last week as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you kind of took over the radio show. Saying that about the, when you forget about songs, have you ever had that when DJing? Because I, when I first started, I used to get it all the time. Where like, I love music so much, but I'd get up there and you're in front of like a hundred or so people. You're like, I've forgotten all music that exists ever. <laughs> oh, do you get that? Literally, oh. I used to get it so many times. I'm like, what can I play now? What do I know? Oh, bring it too. No, you're playing that now. Don't play them again. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm. I've never had that, but I think I'm just like, just such a friggin' pop punk and emo nerd that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to play this Panic at <laughs> the Disco song that I've played for the last like nine years, yeah. eight times tonight. And I think the beauty of my night is it doesn't matter if you're playing Blink and then you play Blink again next because everyone likes it and it's fine. Yeah. Which is why my night is my <laughs> night. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. So yeah, cl- alternative club nights, team up. That's our Cardiff like version of Fat Lip, I guess. And then also I run Heads Above the Waves. So yeah, like you just said, we were recently like last week on, um, the, on your karma radio show. And we did like a little chat about mental health and lockdown and stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I just also work in a craft beer bar in Cardiff because events are not recession proof or like pandemic proof. So we all need some side hustles. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what else do I do? DJing, events management, putting on gigs and stuff. Watch films. as uh... I'm watching films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My one time when I get to like relax and chill out. And actually, I'm really chuffed to be asked to do this because me and my sister are massive film buffs and our thing is we go to the cinema and then we chat for hours about the films afterwards and and we come back to it in the week and chat about it loads um but she's been in living in australia the last few years so we haven't really like been able to do our little film thing so i haven't really been able like my boyfriend bless him he'll i'm like let's talk about this film and he's like yeah it was really good and i'm like no let's dissect it scene by (laughs) scene and he's like really trying but um yeah it's really nice to be able to like chat to people who are really into film about a film so i'm really like looking forward to this because i've watched baby teeth like three times now so i'm like pumped to get into it nice anyway 
Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, no, I appreciate you both for coming on. Like I was, this is actually the film that has really inspired me to get started on this podcast because I've wanted to do something like this for so long. And I don't know, there's always been that kind of not feeling like the confidence to do it, not really having the the equipment. But the last year, you know, I've started doing a radio show in my bedroom and thought I could easily do a podcast. And there was so much, well, I mean, we'll go into it, but there was so much symbolism and so many things I really liked about this film that made me think I really want to talk about it. And yeah, so although this is the second episode, I was going to do it as the first because it was like the the kickstart into uh, what I wanted to make this podcast about. But um, yeah, I'm really really happy to to be doing it and I'm excited to have you both on. So yeah, just to kind of, t- t- uh, yeah, segue over to kind of baby teeth then. We've spoken a bit on Twitter because Hannah, you love the film and Jack, although you did tell me you don't dislike it, you weren't quite as couple, into it as I am. Yeah. Couple, a little bit. <laughs> so I thought, well, perfect. We've got to get you both on then because it, it's like a, you've got to have a fair conversation, haven't you? It's near point just us being like, this is so good because this, you know, we can question it. And it's not a perfect film because there is something about it which I'm not... I, I, I remember the first time I watched it, I really struggled with, to kind of grasp, but... Um, I think yeah, I can already... We'll, I, think we'll I, I, that. I think we both know. I think, I think we all know what what that is. And, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to discussing that and getting into this. Yeah, so we're going to go through the plot and then we're going to kind of talk, well, as we discuss the plot, we'll talk like sort of like, you know, key moments and what we think they're meaning and stuff. But at the end, we'll kind of do a big wrap up of kind of big, big key moments and the symbolism it represents. So yeah, I'm going to hit the music and then we're going to go into the plot. So yeah. Cool. So we are about to dive into Baby Teeth. One thing I really liked about this film is the titles that it used to kind of separate the scenes because a a lot of this film, as we'll kind of, I'll I'll say this so many times, as we'll go into, a lot of it happens off screen, but the titles kind of fill a couple of those gaps, I think. So the first one is when when Mila met Moses on platform four. So doesn't really uh, need much explaining. Um, This is the scene where, so Mila, you can tell she's a bit of an out because she's like a schoolgirl, and she's still on the train the train platform and you you immediately get that kind of outcast vibe don't you like the girls are are they like talking about her i think they're kind of like whispering um yeah either that or they're just you know they're just not including her yeah she's, but, uh, she's... But, yeah but it, it's very clear to see yeah 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 and then almost a bit of a, a jumpy moment uh moses just storms into her life as he accidentally kind of barges past her one thing i wasn't sure what was he doing there? Because the train wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had that inkling when I watched the second time. I was thinking, hang on a second. Was he, you know, maybe trying to jump in front of the train and just missed it? And then that's how it all kind of, yeah. I was a bit like, ooh, hang on a second. Wait, you thought he was trying to jump in front of the train? Yeah. Interesting. I think maybe because obviously as we get to know the character, we know he's um, essentially homeless. I think he was either doing something to try and, maybe get some kind of like compensation like either like fall over and make like Hmm. imagine like falling over near somebody who helps you up and then be like oh you're okay like here's you know have some money (laughs) i don't know if that happened but it could have been like he was i think maybe he was trying to make it look like he's in a vulnerable position to to gain something from it i'm not sure because yeah that was something that when i thought back on the film i was like oh he's running for the train but then the second time i watched it i was like the train wasn't there what was he running for so yeah just a little side thing there that got me thinking That's actually, yeah, that's actually a very, very good point. The way you make, he, yeah, you could make, say, make himself look more vulnerable. So she'll be more inclined to, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a very good, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah. It's good cool that 
isn't it? Because I kind of read it that he was maybe like witnessing her kind of feeling uncomfortable and kind of like just kind of barged into her as a little, um, just because he's fearless and he's playful and he's like a bit of a loon mm. and he was just being like a thuggy boy. Yeah. Is or that... that whole, that whole like kind of f- flirting by, not not bullying, but like, you know, like in like, you know, the, the young kids that like push the girls because they fancy them kind of thing. Like he could, he yeah. was maybe observing that she was a bit of an outcast and thought, I'm going to go and throw some excitement in her life. Like, hey, you. <laughs> yeah. Because then he straight up says, your, your hair, your hair looks like bangles. It's yeah. like pretty. You know, he straight up like after compliments her. So I, I took it as that. But I, yeah, what you guys are saying is really interesting because it, it does make it ambiguous and you're immediately like, wait, who is this guy? What is, what's his angle? Mm. And yeah, you mentioned then, Hannah, like he compliment, like mentions her hair. So yeah, they both compliment each other. Moses notices Miller gets a nosebleed. And this is when like his just wholesome nature really comes out. You know, he's such a, despite his troubles, he's such a caring person. He immediately takes his shirt off and he's like comforting her, like covers her, covers the t-shirt. Um, to like you know soak up the blood and you just you immediately get this kind of kind nature about him which from his appearance you might not get um you know he's got a couple of face tattoos you know a bit rough around the edges you know oh those dance <laughs> <these> tattoos <laughs> i like them i think they look cool i love the um, uh, instagram filter where you put the face tattoos on sorry hannah what were you gonna say <laughs> <laughs> yeah what does i was trying to spend like the three times i've watched the film i've tried to figure out what's on his cheek because i read him one like film and like analysis of it that it said la la land but it doesn't um i think it either says la loud or la loop and i don't know what either of the significance of that is but um yeah do you know what that everything i've read about the film it's like they're like oh when he bumps her oh my god <clears throat> such a moment but for me it's when he takes his shirt off and like i'm re- again really interested ryan that you said um that it, it was really wholesome and like sweet and like really like no I was like physically disturbed by that bit because I just felt he like completely overwhelmed her. His physicality is so intense the way he practically like manhandles her to the floor and like pushes her down. And I was like, oh, like, whoa, that's really like, (laughs) that's really full on. And he just like engulfs her. And it's almost like a precursor to like, it's it's like a metaphor for like this is her first love and like every girl's you know first love it just completely engulfs you and you're completely like besotted by the guy and it's it takes that like moment especially when you're a teenager so to have like him come in and just physically like completely engulf her and drag her down it was like whoa it made me feel super uncomfortable and like I felt like intense for her being like overpowered but then it kind of changes when immediately then it's like he she looks up and he's got the sky behind him and then the sky becomes such like a like a motif through the film that they keep coming back to that like people are always looking up to the sky and she's like, I can't wait to be a part of the sky at the end. And like, yeah. yeah. I wonder if it's intended to be that way that, I mean, I almost feel like it's a bit of a kind of a male ignorance now that like, from my eyes, I I just looked at it as okay. Cause I mean, like if I was to do that to someone, I know that I, I'd be doing it in good intentions. So I'm kind of seeing his good intentions, but I completely understand. Well, actually, well, I say I completely understand. I could never, I could never truly understand what it is for a female to experience something like that. Because I mean, we don't, we don't need to go too deep into this, but we, you know, is very aware that women are more at risk of, you know, assault and uh, at the hands of men rather than the other around. So, so my view of it, like I said, it's like I saw a naturing side that if if I was to be doing that to someone, I'd be doing it in that way. But yeah, I can totally understand that, and I'm that that's really opened my eyes now. To I, I kind of want to look more into that now. But um, it might just be me. Everyone else might be like, oh, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. get off her. <laughs> well, if anyone's listening, please let us know what you thought about this. And I, I didn't say this on my uh, first episode, but any any kind of thing that anyone has any queries or what they thought about the films that we discuss on this podcast 
um, yeah, please let us know because it's all it's all interpretation at the end of the day, isn't it? Like before we before we do move on, obviously we've talked all about Moses straight away, but I just want to say straight off the bat that Eliza Scanlon is she's fantastic in this film. She really she really captures this meek, the overly curious energy of this. 16 year old girl who seems to have spent quite a lot of her life sheltered she just has this really kind of just curious energy that's just fantastic throughout the film yeah of course i think i think the four all four actors in this particularly i can never pronounce his name right ben meckleston who plays the dad mendelson is it he steals it from me he absolutely steals it oh i which yeah, we'll So we've had this um you know, this very quick introduction to these two characters who are, you know, the main characters throughout the film. Hannah, you mentioned about the sky reference because yeah, he he says the line to, to Miller to try and comfort, her. he says, like, you've just got to find a bit of the sky. So like when she's like kind of bleeding, she's probably a bit panicky, like look to the sky and which yeah, that, that comes back a few times throughout the film. Um, especially oh, the line at the end. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, and then um as we mentioned about, you know, Moses looking a bit like homeless a bit you know he does mention to her you know he's homeless he needs a bit of money and she immediately goes to give him some money wants a favor in return so she's already kind of feel she you could tell she's a bit warm to this guy because maybe because she wasn't getting she's got no one else to really talk to like you know she was alone on the platform this guy's just come in and he's just this whole breathing life onto her kind of thing so she immediately kind of gets that kind of comfort to yeah so she goes to they go to cut her hair but um we'll cut to that in a minute before we get there we meet Miller's parents, Anna and Henry. Every character in this film has like their own really strong storyline, I think, which all kind of blend in together. Because at first, you're not quite sure who this is. You've got a couple, well, you know, you've got a therapist and what seems like a patient, but we obviously soon find out that that is Miller's parents, this is her mum and dad. And the dad is giving her prescription medication. Kind of, that's like a therapy session, but it's kind of not, it was a bit of a weird one. I remember the first time I was, I was watching the film, I kind of rewound it because I was like, hang on a minute, what, what have I just missed here? <laughs> bit of a raunchy role play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, then, we, then it does go back to Miller with Moses getting a haircut. But before they can finish the job, they need to flee the house that they're in. So it turns out the house they're in belongs to Moses's mother and they kind of run off but his mum catches him and they kind of have that awkward exchange before he shouts you know fuck off whatever storms off so he's not supposed to be in his house his mum like she goes to like call the police and he like walks off kicking stuff and yeah we kind of get that first little insight into Moses's life so then this is when we get the like I said about the title cards where you you could kind of fill in the blanks it says when Miller Mm. brought Moses home to meet her parents so we don't really need to know what's been going on in between you know Miller and Moses have formed a friendship he's been invited for dinner obviously and this is where so this is where my issue of the film was the first time the age so mila is a 16 year old girl and moses is a 23 year old guy and that that comes out of the dinner table miller's mum says uh so miller's mum anna says moses how old are you and he's he's trying to be honest was miller's trying to cover up she's like oh he's 16 17 and he's like no i'm 23 and yeah that was a a bit a bit odd um because if i had a friend who was 23 started hanging around the 16 year old i is i just think that's that's wrong especially the relationship they end up having and i really struggled to get over that when watching the film i was like i really like this film i love it it's, it's a stunning film it's beautiful but i just can't get over this age thing but i'm going to say this now early on into the into the discussion something i read about it was that you've kind of got to take it more from miller's point of view and the point of view of her parents that this isn't a right relationship for them to be having but he he is making her happy and because she is terminally ill they're just kind of allowing her to be happy in her final days so i think when you focus it on miller's side miller's side that she is happy with this guy you kind of think okay but 
it's still it's just a bit yeah what do you guys think well for me it's like it's not supposed to be something that you're on board with and I think it's very it's a very intentional choice and I think you're supposed to constantly be reminded that like oh this makes me a bit uncomfortable because it's an uncomfortable subject matter and it's obviously like you know like you said it's it's her last few months or weeks whatever of life and I think they they're doing that with like the title cards like I read an interview with the director and because it was a play first right and then they adapted it for screen and the director or maybe it was the writer shoot I can't remember which one but like anyway the director or the writer were like we wanted to make the film as Brechtian as possible which is like a a theatre practitioner right Bertolt Brecht and he would often make things really like intensely like uncomfortable to pay so that you had that emotional like cathartic payoff so it wasn't just like plain sailing so yeah it's severing like the emotionality of it so it's like it's constantly those little titles like bring you out of it so you're not like just swept up in like oh their love you're constantly like I'm watching a really weird film that's essentially about like a guy who is a beautiful yeah (laughs) and engaging in this relationship with a young girl but but then you also find yourself because of the acting, because how skilled the acting is and the way they're like telling the story and the way all the family are revolving around each other, you you kind of root for them and you want her to be happy and you want her to have like her little piece of the sky, like her little like bit of happiness. But I think I think the whole film is about like juxtaposing stuff. So you're like you're like really rooting for them and you're like, oh, this is a love story, but it's really fucking inappropriate because their age gap and like, oh, it's really sad. But then there's like really like funny like cutting dialogue and like dark comedy like bits in the script or oh there's like and they play a lot with like shadow and light don't they in the film so I think there's just so much like it's such a balancing act that I think they get really right and I think you're not supposed to be okay with the age even like the sex scene at the end you're like oh but you're also you're you're kind of like I you know you're like I wanted to have this experience but then you're like oh oh, I don't know I feel really uncomfortable about this and I like, yeah, I think you're meant to. What do you think, Jack? Because you're like, I can see you're like, ah, like ready. Yeah, so ready. Right, here we go. No, so uh, as as Ryan said right at the start, you know, I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to this film. As in, I didn't particularly love it, and the main reason is, yeah, the age gap. It it's something that just straight away, I just, I can't, I couldn't look past it. And quite frankly, it does ruin the film for me. And it's the reason why, it's the main reason that's keeping it from being such a brilliant film to me. It just turns so many of what would have been these tender moments into just downright creepy and just feels uncomfortable. And I'll probably come back to that because I've got a couple of like times when that does happen written down, but I'll kind of come to those as it yeah, of course. comes to that. So, um, so obviously, you know, they're, 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 they're at the first dinner now. And like you said earlier about, you know, how the parents, how they react to it. And like, I'm very, very iffy on the way even the parents react to it because Although you know, the, the, although although her mum says you know she's freaked out about the age gap, they seem to just kind of accept it after after one encounter and a couple of few flim, flimsy follow up lines. I mean, it, it's a funny scene when she's really high and she's like, "Oh, I'd be freaking out so much if I wasn't so high right now." But like, they kind of it's like they I feel like they use the drugs to kind of brush past it without any real confrontation. I mean, they do query it a few times, but yeah, I I agree what you mean, and I think. I'll, I'll be honest, I think I'm allowing myself to ignore the issue because I love the film so much. And like I said, I read about focusing it more on Miller's point of view and what her parents just want to do her to do for that. I think it's I think I'm just yeah, just pushing it aside. But yeah. I just have an interest that what we know obviously is like, you know, under eighteen is illegal, 
would the film be because i even thought oh what if they just made the gap a little bit different because like even if it's just a little bit wrong but then i'm like oh is that bad like say if she was 17 and he was 21 it would still be wrong and illegal and i again i still if i had a friend who was 21 dating a 17 year old like mate what are you doing like but in for the for the sake of the film i don't know if i would have let it slide a bit more than 16 to 23 because i just thought that was quite a big quite a big gap i kind of had kind of two ideas in my head that I think would have made it so much better for me and would have made it so much better overall in terms of that is, you know, there, there would have been no problem with it being someone her own age who was a bit of a tear warrior and was a drug addict. It didn't have to be an older person. Like, I thought that would have been fine. Yeah. And also, if he had to be that age, then if he be- if he became a, kind of like a, a brotherly paternal figure towards her and just kind of helped her cope with the loneliness of, you know, going through cancer if it was that i would have been okay with it i just for me personally i just for the life of me cannot see why it had to be a relationship and that's the main that's the main reason why it tainted it so much for me yeah and i went searching hard to find to, to, i watched so many interviews with the writers with um eliza scanlon and i was just trying to find someone talking about it, and i couldn't find anyone talking about it i think i found a small thread where someone mentioned it and that's when i got the idea of taking it from miller's point of view but um yeah yeah, so that was the big issue in the film. Um, Jack, you said you've got some points on that throughout the film, so we'll, of course we'll kind of come back to that. We'll carry on with the plot then. So yeah, we're at the dinner scene. You've, you've touched on Miller's mum, Anna, being like high at the dinner table. So it's clearly she's high on prescription drugs. I mean, moments before she says it, it's clear, but then she does literally <laughs> verbally say like, I'm so high. So funny, the whole dialogue of that scene. Like, I think the best scenes in this film is when those four are together, yeah. like playing off each other and having their own little interaction. Then, oh, it's so good. It's just like, ah. It feels, yeah. I'd love to know if any of it was improvised. Like, it feels like a scene that, I, I think with a film like that, I reckon they were probably allowed some imp- improvision and... Yeah, they, they work so well together. But yeah, so it's a it's a very uncomfortable dinner scene with the mother being high and Miller not being happy. Moses is almost kind of entertained by the mother as well a little bit, isn't he? I think yeah. because like he's he's his mum looked quite like up uptight when you see her yeah. in the very brief moments you do see her through the film. He's just quite like factuated by this uh this this family and just probably he's probably just not used to having dinner with a family at the table anyway. So like quite a quite a weird weird situation for him yeah so they're at the dinner table and miller's obviously had a haircut half job by moses and that's kind of the topic at the table so the mum mentions ah yeah this is this is a point i'm again i missed them but picked up on the second time her mum mentioned she was nervous for it like they're talking about her hair and she's like oh i was nervous for it and i think because at this point in the film we don't actually know that she's got a terminal illness we find out in the following scene and i think that line there when you watch it back i think she's referring to I think she's implying like she was nervous to see her daughter with without her long longer hair and the, you know the changes she's going to go through and yeah she kind of says it in a really carefree it, it goes really unnoticed I thought the first time and then she tells a really kind of uncomfortable story about giving birth to her bit being difficult because of her large head yeah, <laughs> and then Moses notices the mother's teeth her like gums or teeth are bleeding. Uh, which leads to the conversation, which refers to the title of the film, Baby Teeth, because Miller mentions that she's still got one baby tooth left and it's a perfectly normal... Aberration. Aberration, that's that's it. So yeah, it's a perfectly normal aberration for, for somebody her age. Moses goes to touch her tooth or something and the mother like freaks uh, it, out. Yeah, it, it, she, <laughs> yeah like, it, she like snaps back. Yeah, she snaps back. Yeah. And then that's when, you know, it all kicks off. He leaves the house, kind of end of the dinner scene, really. They, uh, yeah, uncomfortable dinner scene. Moses leaves. 
But Miller, she's like, oh, you don't have to go. And she, she's desperate for him to be around her at this point. You know, she's really, really interested yeah. in this guy. And then, yeah, we, we mentioned the fact that up, up until this point, we don't know that Miller's ill, unless you've kind of read the synopsis before you watch the film. But um, <laughs> that's when the title credits come in again. So the next chapter says, Relapse, Miller starts chemo. And yeah, that speaks for itself, you know. Um, so we see Henry, her dad, watching out the window as a neighbor is kind of calling out for their lost dog, also called Henry. And we see, so Miller and her mum are having a music lesson. So they both play like piano, violin. Um, and her mum mentions a performance which she needs to practice for in March. And Miller throws the violin to the ground and her mother's like, what's wrong with you? And she replies, what do you think's wrong with me? There seems to be like um, a battle between Mila knowing that she's got this terminal illness, knowing she's going to die, or at least, you know, the high, the high chance of death. And her mother maybe trying to deny it. So she's like, oh, you've got this coming up in a few months time. And really almost like her mother's trying to, I don't know if she's trying to kind of be in denial of it or just try and act normal for everyone's sake and to try and enjoy the time they've got together. But that, that's what I took from this scene. You know, Mila throws the ground like kind of, because it's when she mentions you've got this thing in March that she then suddenly kind of switches. Did you guys pick up anything there? Yeah, as you said um, about the mum, I think, I think the mum is just, you know, completely in denial. That's very easy to see from early on. But obviously, as it progresses, it's even it's even clearer to see. But yeah, the mum is clearly in denial, and she just wants to keep on focusing and just thinking that she's going to get better. So yeah, she's definitely very much in denial. Mm. Whereas Mila's like, I just want to play music for myself, for my own enjoyment, whilst I can. And that's why she's like constantly pushing throughout the film, like play with me, like play music with me. And her mum, her mum seems to almost have made like a like a like a deal with god kind of throughout like i'll give up what i love i'll sacrifice playing to look after mila and like raise her but i'll also like never play again if you can just keep if i can just keep her you know yeah. and so she's very like reluctant to to play or express herself or whatever which is kind of nice when you see them play together at the end um but it gets obviously cut short but yeah i don't know they kept coming back to that and i was just like Ooh, i don't know yeah yeah it's it's almost like a superstition like like she won't play she won't play until she thinks or knows that she's better yeah yeah which is what she kind of keeps coming back to as well you know like i can't play until she's better also the music is stunning like especially that scene that they play together towards the end it annoys oh, me yeah. every time i, I i've listened to it on spotify it cut short on there as well like i'm like oh Doesn't why can they yeah <laughs> i was like why can't they record a version and finish it it's so nice that's awesome and then yeah so we this is where we get more of the neighbor so henry then goes out for a walk and he passes the neighbor um and she's pregnant and smoking henry being a doctor tells her you shouldn't be smoking because henry's got like this kind of protective nature about him he wants to help people that's why he's like a psychiatrist he provides for his family in quite a caring way you know he's got quite a lot to deal with with you know a wife who's got a prescription medication problem and a daughter who's uh terminally ill so yeah and then but then the comedy kind of comes in where the neighbor's like oh it's fine to do it for the first few months i've read it online and <laughs> i love that just i love anything where they take the piss out of like the whole just people that believe everything online because it's become such a thing of the past few years if people do just believe everyone online the more we kind of take the piss out of it hopefully the more it's going to stop <laughs> and yeah then we find out that well the neighbor's calling out for a dog called henry henry turns around and he, he's, he's on his way somewhere but he stops what he's doing to help which again kind of goes back to his kind of helpful nature yeah i think with him because it's a kind of it's a case of so mila's cancer's come back so you know obviously she's been through it before so it's kind of, I think he's kind of starting to feel how he felt before. He's probably feeling very trapped. 
very kind of isolated, doesn't really know how he can help. So throughout the film, you kind of see that he kind of becomes quite withdrawn. And I, I think he, I think he's quite a quiet person looking for kind of some kind of escapism from what's happening. He's scared to go through it again. And then he kind of obviously finds this person and kind of starts talking to them. And then they kind of become his kind of way of escaping what's happening in his family life. And I, I, I think that's why he kind of takes such an interest and like tries to help her as much as he can. Yeah, that that does go into part of what I was saying about like the neighbor as well, because yeah, he he, he crosses paths with her quite a, uh, a couple more times throughout the film. Um, oh, I just had a thought actually, and it's it, he wants to help her because it's uh, Mila will never be pregnant, like she'll never have a baby, so it's his ah, kind of he's kind no. of acting out like, oh, I'll help you, I'll help you, which is kind of weird when later on he like Oedipal complex kind of yeah. So he's, dodgy loads of dodgy stuff going on in the film so that that saying that like like, yeah later on he kisses the neighbor he does instantly look like he regrets it though so Mm. i i think uh, i'm giving henry the benefit of the doubt of being like just really kind of confused and kind of lost and i think he's searching for something and not quite sure what he's looking for which that's a really good point you said i'd never even thought about that that milo will never have a baby and you know maybe he's always wanted to be a granddad and now it's like oh i can help this lady out and it's it's very very strange especially like you said because they do have a a kiss later on but um i I think henry throughout the film is just quite lost from everything you know he has to deal with yeah we're now at uh the scene this is another title credits i'm probably going to pronounce this wrong gidon gidon's school of music so that's her music teacher so she's having a violin lesson with her tutor who asks her who did this to you like about her hair and she tells him it was her boyfriend so she's definitely uh definitely feeling a bit of moses that was the first that that was one of the times where again it's completely undercut by the age for me because it just sounds like you know young impressionable girl is calling this guy her boyfriend and straight away i was just like oh no this is really undercut really undercut it for me it's something she's she's aware of too because she goes he's a wild dog shortly after that so it's it's, do you know what i mean she she she, yeah it's it's weird because she knows what he's like he is kind of like a wild dog in a way but then it also weirdly links to when she is it before or after that where she's walking down the corridor in her house and she does like the snarl thing when she's like pissed off with her mum and it's almost like she's a wild dog there as well so like she's almost trying to like emulate him or kind of like be what he is yeah, I don't know. I've looked. I've thought about this too much today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is uh, this is what we want. I, I love that little growl thing she does there. That's so funny. So good. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, yes, that's so dramatic. Teenage manic trauma, young person. Yeah, yeah. And then, so during the lesson, they play a record, and Miller kind of loses herself in the dance, and Anna arrives to pick her up as she emotionally watches her daughter dancing. So she kind of walks in the room. I think she kind of gets a reminder, you know, that Miller is still very much alive. She's still... What do you think the purpose was of this, like, dancing scene? Because it kind of annoyed me. As much as I love this one, there were bits that I was like, ugh, like, oh, this is really twee, you know? And, like, any of the dancing scenes... I was a bit like, oh, I know they're trying to show like how carefree and how like living in the moment she is. And then, yeah, like you said, Ryan, she had that nice moment with her mum, like watching her and being like, oh, but I was just like, uh, the acting is so good that I already get that she's a bit carefree and wild, especially after doing that little dog snarl thing. And I'm just like, oh, why? what's going on? <laughs> what's this about? Why do you think it was put in there? I think just the, the happiness she's getting from Moses, like I'm kind of assuming that this isn't something she does all the time. You know, she's, she's met this guy and you know how like people, like people say like people like start singing when they're happy and things like that. And you're more doing things. 
I just think it's just a, a little bit more touch to add to that. That although, like you said, Hannah, we we can get her character because the acting is just so well done anyway. I think it's yeah. just a little extra bit as a moment just to kind of sprinkle it in. Yeah, and and like and I guess yeah. Now you're saying that I'm like, oh, maybe it, she likes it. Shows that she's really passionate about music as well, or yeah, I don't know. yeah. And then yeah, so another title credits: Insomnia. Anna is up in the night when she hears someone breaking into the house and she sees it's Moses who's broken in these stealing prescription drugs from the fridge who arms himself with, it's, it's, I thought it was a knife, but then they said like a meat prong thing. I don't know. He arms himself with something (laughs) (laughs) and she's trying to like calm him down and make sure he gets like appropriate medication. She's even shows a bit of like a caring side then like, oh no, you don't want that. Those will make you sick. Like what you want is this. It's a very strange moment that because he's literally breaking into the house, threatening her, and she's like trying to help him, even though she doesn't like him. <laughs> yeah, this goes back to that juxtaposing thing I was saying of like that's such a, a fucked up concept. That's so dark, but some of the lines in it are so funny. I'm like struggling not to like laugh at like uh, just thinking about them. Like when she's like, um, "Are you ripping us off?" and stuff. It's just like so absurd. And she's like, "Oh, don't ring the police because it'll carry on the cycle of abuse." And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like, you probably should ring the police." <laughs> Um, or when she's like, "Don't pigeonhole him like that." When they're like, "He's a drug addict," I'm like, yeah, "Don't yeah. pigeonhole him." It's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. And then the little like exchanges they have with um, where their conversations are overlapping, where their parents are like, "We need to ring the police," and she's like, "I was dreaming about you," and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. "It's so weird. It's so weird." But like, very like touching and real, and yeah, messed up, but. It's so funny and, and it's cute in a way. So yeah, so Mila's walked in, obviously saw what, seen what's going on here. And she's like, yeah, she says, are you ripping us off? So she's like talking to Moses, like, what are you doing? But and she doesn't want her parents to call the police. She knows he's like homeless and she Mila just wants to help him. So she begs her parents to like let him stay the night. They, they kind of observe that, don't they? Like, I think they notice that moment. And that's when they're starting to realize how much their daughter cares for this boy. So Moses spends the night. He stays till the morning on the sofa. Jack, I think you had a point about that. And that's when we kind of got Cut off. Before we go on to that, um, so uh, this is also the first time that Moses realizes that Mila has cancer because she's got the shaved head. So then he kind of realizes, you know, yeah. So he's kind of like, oh shit, you know, I'm stealing drugs from a, from a terminally ill girl. And then he's kind of like, oh, this is so bad. Yeah. She's like, she shaved her head. She kind of walks out and he like, he has that moment of when he sees her. Quite a big moment. There. I don't know how I missed that on my notes. Thanks for bringing that up, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he stays until the morning and the family are having breakfast together and then so the parents are talking to Moses as Miller's getting ready for school and Anna wants to drop Moses home and then so Henry kind of has that father chat of saying you know his daughter's vulnerable she's we're, we're all aware now of, of like the the illness she has so Henry's on his way to work and then the pregnant neighbor comes by again asking for help from Henry needing him to like need to get help changing a light bulb like stand on a stool or something that's kind of all we see on that part. And then Anna drops Mila at school and Mila kisses Moses in the car, which Jack, I'm sure you didn't like that moment. And Hannah, no, again. <laughs> sorry, again. again. Yeah. <laughs> I need to stop that. Please, guys, please. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like, you know, really grooming, really uh, just uncomfortable to watch and just, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Well, clearly yep. her mother <laughs> thinks the same. So Anna's mother thinks the same. So Anna gets out of the car and then, as they're driving off, Anna keeps trying to say, like, oh, I'll drop you home. And he's like, no, 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 just here's fine. Like, he doesn't want her to know, like, where he's from or what, you know, where he's going to be going. And he kind of gets out the car quickly, but he leaves his bag. And then as they have that last kind of exchange, Anna says to him, like, don't come near my daughter again. 
So that's where the, the parents are. They definitely aren't approving of this, especially not at this moment. You know, she's like, don't, don't come near my door again. Cool. New title credit, Breakthrough. Henry is distracted during a psychiatry session. So he's got that like patient with him and he's looking out the window and he suddenly just storms out. He like runs across the street to help the neighbor. And again, this goes back to his kind of want, wanting to help, kind of looking for something very unprofessional to storm out of a psychiatrist session. <laughs> but I mean, it shows a lot about his character of the, of, you know, of, of his struggles as well, you know. Yeah, he's looking at the sky when he leaves as well. Sky again. And that's when he has this breakthrough that he's like, I have to, I have to do anything I can to help her. I have to do everything and anything I can to help this person, whether it's his daughter metaphorically or like the neighbor that he's like projecting stuff onto. So he runs across the neighbor and then does the job of changing the light bulb on the stool and then gets electrocuted and falls off the stool. And so that they have that kind of moment. Um, and then we're back in the school. Mila's in the bathroom and this scene really hit the first time I saw it. So she's lost her hair. And she's been wearing a wig into school. But one of the girls in the bathroom, and then that's when the girl asks about the wig. She's like, oh, can I try your wig on? Like, I really want to style my hair like this for the, for the school dance. And Mila looks so uncomfortable. And I felt so much, I felt heartbroken for her in this scene. Like, someone's mm-hmm. using her illness as like a novelty to, to dress up. You know, she, it's so, such an uncomfortable moment. And then she, she almost feels so uncomfortable. She can't say no. So she lets the girl do it. And, that scene was heartbreaking. Um, how did you guys find that? Uh, so, yeah, you know, as you said, you know, it's, it's very uncomfortable. I I don't think the girl meant to. I, I, I think she just, as she said, she's like, oh, I just want to show my hairdresser. And she can see while she's taking the photos that Mila kind of sheepishly backs into the corner and just kind of almost goes really just like, just really reverts. And she can see what, she can kind of realise what she's done. So, yeah, it's not done out of malice or anything. It is literally she kind of realizes what she's done and she feels so bad for it. She's like, oh, it, it looks better on you. Just kind of tries to give us something to lift her back up. I don't know. For me, it's like the savageness of like teenage girls and like how they can be so self-focused and not aware, like so focused on their own stuff that they can't even, they're not aware of like how they might be affecting someone else because that's such a selfish, insensitive move to do that. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I just someone who was like bullied in toilets a lot in secondary school. I'm like, I'm like, oh God, that's so traumatizing to be made so vulnerable and like have to take your wig off and expose yourself to someone who's like, she's the girl who's at the, in the, on the train platform at the beginning. It's the same girl who's like chatting away and not including her, gossiping about her, whatever. Yeah. That to me was just like, oh, every, girl that bullied by like the popular girls in school moment of just being like oh my god you you can be so belittled and you know even if you don't have like you know a, a horrific illness or anything you can be made to feel so small by someone committing a really like violent act that's like not physically violent but like emotionally violent and you like that it's it's horrible i was triggered by it. <laughs> i think it kind of for me it kind of meets in the middle because yeah i didn't i didn't see it as like evil maliciousness like it didn't look like she's doing it to upset miller but she was definitely aware or, or she should be aware of how uncomfortable miller was with it to stop and it, it could to serve as like a good lesson that you know you you can't always know things you know it's, it's, always, it's never too late to get yourself on social issues in the world and I, th- I think this girl just needed a bit of a bit of an education on it really like just know that's not okay and even though even though it's not i don't think it was being done with malicious intent although yeah hannah like you said because she was the girl at the beginning on the train platform not including her anyway 
is like, well, what would you talk to her about if not asking to, you know, use her illness for this novelty? And yeah, there's definitely both sides to it where it's, you know, she's not like a, a full on school bully, but what she's doing isn't right. And she should have known and read the signs. But yeah, that scene was, that's that was a really upsetting scene. Hmm. Okay. So next scene, a little bit high, another title credit. Moses waits for Miller to finish school. Uh, when she arrives home, she lies to her parents about where she's been and who she's been with. And she tells her mum she needs money and a dress for the formal. So the formal gets mentioned a couple of times throughout the film. Uh, and this makes her mum like really happy. Again, kind of going back to that in in this moment, I guess, because the formal's not happening for a while, it could bring her mum kind of joy to know that moving forward something up, upcoming. You know, like out the beginning, she was like this practice you need to do for the performance. Whilst her dad doesn't take his attention away from the news, he's like just kind of this is like happy moment between the mother and daughter, and the dad's just on his on his like on his phone watching the news. So he's like engaging and like shouting at the news people. And I think there's something really important here with the difference between uh, Anna and Henry's. Mila immediately goes to sit with her dad, even though her dad's not being very engaging about the news on the formal, whilst the mum's being really like positive about it. And it becomes clear, I think, later on the film, but I feel like her dad is treating her in a normal way, whereas her mum is desperate to create these moments to remember. He's just acting casually, he's watching the news. Oh, you know, this is going on. Whereas her mum's making a, a much bigger deal out of it. But she's more drawn to her dad because he's just reacting as as a normal normal dad and that's what she's kind of craving mm. she's like physically hanging off him she's like kind of like on his elbow and like leaning her head on him which is really nice and i think that it it means a lot more than when like later on she i think in a couple of scenes she moses doesn't meet her outside of the school and she comes home and straight away he goes and like crawls into her mum's lap and there's that lovely really tender moment that's reciprocated where the mum finally gets that kind of real physical embrace and like my little girl still needs me and she and she's like all i want is mum right now uh, which i thought was really nice and it just it's it was it was just very real it was just very like you know, stereotypical, you know, um, or archetypal mums and dads roles and how like little girls always want their dads like affection and attention. And then, but actually, you know, when, when things are really sad and when a boy hurts you, you do want your mum. So it's, it's that like, just in real insight into like families and growing up and life. Yeah. And then, so we then go to see Anna's taking more medication and then we're back with Miller who's having a violin lesson and her tutor makes a comment on how she has changed. She says, he said he saw the same thing in her mother when she was in love. So we know that the tutor that Miller has also taught, they, I think they performed together, which I didn't pick up on this, but I've read, I think it, it's supposed to hint at that maybe the music teacher and the mother had a bit more of a relip and yeah something that was going on there but yeah they, they definitely used to play music together but it hints at maybe maybe something a bit more but i don't think that gets touched up on enough in the film i think it's slightly hinted but not a lot there i don't know if you guys picked up anything else there yeah it, it, it's very much a throwaway line it's just like oh yeah you know you still you used to be in love with her and then it's kind of like just and then that's kind of like that kind of basically explains why he's there and why he kind of just sticks around for the rest of the film yeah just adding more people to the eventual birthday party <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was one of the things when i was chatting to a friend about it and we were discussing the the birthday party of like why were why were they there and i was like oh because of this all right but why were they there like <laughs> there are yeah, a, a couple <laughs> <laughs> i hated that scene <laughs> next next title credits nausea so moses comes to the door wanting to give me like, a present uh, her mother tries to prevent him from coming in, but Miller invites him to come hang in the garden where she asks Moses to come to the school formal with her. Moses is up for it and he seems like really happy about wearing a suit. 
potentially maybe Moses didn't get those kind of moments in his life. Like we don't really touch on his years previously, but yeah, perhaps he kind of didn't have that normal, normal relationship and normal school experience. But yeah, Mila starts to feel ill. Uh, at first she's like, she's like, Oh, I'm having a heart attack. And you think it's quite like a nice, she's like excited, you know, she's, you know, young girl in love. And she's like, Oh, but then it gets a bit more serious. And her mother comes out knowing what kind of medication she needs for this. And she's like, hand it over Moses. I know you've got it. So like Moses is still taking the drugs from the family. Uh, Mila asked Moses if the prescription drugs are the only reason he hangs out with her. And then he kind of takes his bag in a piss and leaves, which like, it doesn't paint Moses as the best person. Like it, I find it hard. I found it quite hard sometimes to find what she liked about him because of moments like this. That like he's literally stealing prescription drugs from the family while she's ill, and then when she questions him on it, he just storms off in a piss. Own up to your mistakes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he's he's her drug though, you know, because the highs that she gets from him are so like. Um so heady like when she's like oh my god i am gonna have a heart attack because you said yes you'd go to the fall with me that's such a rush for her and it's like that crushing blow of him just like a really good way of putting it <laughs> yeah that's really good especially because like there is quite a, a drug theme throughout the film yeah that bit really really angered me because it was a case of you know moses is clearly using her for the drugs he's taking advantage of a vulnerable state like the first time when he did it and he kind of realized she was ill he kind of felt bad but then the fact he goes back and he does it again and then, yeah, it just made me very, <laughs> very angry. And it's like, I can't, I, I don't really see why she keeps forgiving him. And I don't really see how we're supposed to like him or think he's a good person. Yeah. Again, it goes back to the whole, like, I mean, I really love what you said then, Hannah, about that he is her drug. But it does just go back to the fact of, like, it being more focused on on what, on Mila's view of him, you know, rather than us thinking, like, this guy's an asshole. We're like, okay, but she's in love with him. And that's what we're what we're focusing on. And then, yes, she goes to, she goes to, like, she sneaks out of the house to go find him and she finds him where he's playing basketball. And she says, uh, oh, he says, uh, does your mother know you're here? And she's like, does yours? And there's that kind of connection between the two because, like, they've both kind of got their their family issues. Moses says he's got to go to work, but Mila kind of tags along with him. And then music kicks in, which was a great song choice. I didn't write down what it was, but um, the soundtrack in this film was really good. Uh, But this scene kicks in and... Uh, Mila and Moses are on a train together. They're being quite flirty. So and that's when this kind of montage happens. You see them, they go to like a, a, a pharmacy. Hannah, you mentioned the wild dog thing. Miller steals a lipstick from the pharmacy. I think she's kind of quite influenced by the kind of lifestyle of, of Moses. Yeah, like she's almost cramming in like her teens and her 20s. And her, she's like cramming like a life of crime and like yeah. fun and <laughs> chaos and mayhem and like drinking and dancing and partying into like this night. I, I thought this whole like, call it like the middle eight of film, like this little like bit <laughs> of like madness, but it's not really much dialogue and just lots of like dancing and, and fun. Yeah, a lot happens. And it's kind of like building tension especially because it's like titled love part one and like love part two and you're kind of seeing their feelings develop or blossom for each other and her trying to soak up as much of life as she can in this one night yeah it's a pretty like it's a bit of a mad cocktail of a scene or a couple of scenes she's got her sassy wig on and they're both wearing purple shirts and that's kind of like tying them again and they have like these little looks exchanged between each other and yeah. Um, and then the, the, the bit in the pharmacy is quite important because the, the pharmacist calls out a different name to give Moses the drugs. And then he goes on to to sell the drugs in the next scene. And I think this is where we kind of make the realization that all the drugs he's been stealing from the family are to sell and maybe not even to use himself. So this is kind of his way of, of 
you know get an income um because you know he's homeless he's struggling so there's that and then the two get invited to a party and this is what we were just saying then hannah so like the kind of less dialogue more kind of dancey and so they're arriving at this party and miller sees moses going off and like kissing another girl miller goes off on her own throughout the party and this part i didn't quite get and she walks into the room and there's that uh, kind of mysterious bold person that approaches and they kind of share that connection and they have that dance moment and i've seen people online say if, if the person was real or not and that part was a bit beyond me i didn't quite understand the the symbolism there so hoping one of you guys can share something on on this on this moment uh in terms of symbolism i don't really i don't really think there was much symbolism to that but i'll just say that it 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 seemed to me like you know just one of those kind of classic indie scenes you know some nice lighting a good bit of music a bit of dancing it just seemed like you know, just kind of one of those just kind of tropes that has to be in one of those films to me. It didn't really seem to me like there was much, you know, much symbolism behind it. It was just, you know, I guess probably her first party. So I guess it's kind of just, it's part of just watching her just kind of find herself and exploring, kind of try new things, I guess. If you if you really wanted to reach for symbolism, I guess you could say it was a projected older version of herself because she like had this skin over like out on and she had like really cool makeup and she looked very confident and very like mysterious and ethereal and maybe that's maybe she was kind of seeing a uh oh i you know i wish that could be me in like five years when i'm old enough to be at like mad party with not many people in did you guys think it <laughs> yeah. was weird that there was, was only like five people there <laughs> i feel so awkward like, at that party <laughs> <laughs> I'd just be stood by one of the weird Yeah, the budget for extras really didn't stress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what I mean though, Jack. It was totally when it when the when it happened and it was like the pink and purple lights, I was like, Oh, it's an indie film. <laughs> like it was so it was such a I was like I was like, ugh. That was another bit of the film. I was like, this is cheesy, but I also like secretly loved it. <laughs> I liked the so the next the next moment that follows is like another kind of Miller dance sequence where the screen goes really creepy and it kind of um it feels very like drug influenced in a way, like very kind of <laughs> acid rave. <laughs> um I just really like the visuals on that part. It looks it looks really cool. Yeah, it looked like really like kind of drug influenced but natural at the same time where we kind of had that dance bit bit with Billia and I said like, oh, it's just her kind of happiness. It kind of felt like that, but maybe not quite the same just because it did look a bit like a shady, shady party. But Moses gets quite protective of Miller at this moment and takes her away from the party. And this is where Miller like reveals she's been drinking vodka. She's quite drunk. And they continue the night, just the two of them. They go to like this like late night karaoke cafe. I, I thought it was like quite really pure about the connection here as we see them like almost in a trance with each other. There's like, if there's other people around them. Like they're not on a dance floor. They're in like a cafe, but they're just dancing and they're just so focused on each other. Yeah, there was like, that bit though was really cool. But again, it's that uncomfortableness because they were like doing that dancing while there's like a weird guy singing karaoke in the background. Plus, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there was like a, there was a shot with like them in the background and a TV screen in the foreground. And on the TV screen, there was like meat being cut up, like a steak. And it was just, it just, I maybe because I'm vegan, I was like, ugh, but I was just like, that's not romantic do you know what i mean so again it's kind of taking you out of that like you're not supposed to be like oh this is so cute look at them in love it's so inappropriate you're like they're having a moment but it's weird because there's a tv screen with with a steak being cut up like an advert being played like it's not this perfect i didn't notice the meat oh i did yeah i saw that straight away really (laughs) yeah maybe i've not hit that level of veganism yet (laughs) 
<laughs> you'll get there you'll get there yeah, join us i'm, I'm a, a year a year in after two years that's when you start to get the pass. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, be- uh before you move on going back to what you said about when when he takes her outside when she's been drinking again that goes back to that would have made a really really good kind of brevely kind of realization and looking after her kind of way as opposed to the kind of creepy kind of you know love way so yeah that's just a, a little thing that i kind of thought would have been a would have, would have been you know a good point and then yeah so they they end the night together on the rooftop and miller asks moses if he likes her and he's like he's like he doesn't want to hurt her and then <laughs> biggest dick move of moses in the film he like leaves her on the roof alone he does say he went back later on but again this is where i kind of struggled to be like what's going on like he's he's left this vulnerable girl on a roof on her own she's probably gonna wake up no idea where she is and we see her parents are out looking for her. They're like really scared. They're, they're kind of struggling to work together as Anna asks Henry to show more of how he feels and expresses that she's struggling. And Henry snaps and he's like, this is not about how you feel. This is about Miller. And he's like pushing his own emotions to the side to focus on his on his daughter's emotions, which, yeah, might not be kind of very healthy. But yeah, his, his, it shows that kind of difference in how the parents are handling it. The mum's very much focused on like, well, yeah, like we just said, how she's feeling and he's more focused on her and he's not quite showing it. Well, no, yeah, I, I think that, I think that, that yeah, yeah, Carl, that's when you, that's when we first kind of see the proper cracks in the parents' relationship. And I think that, I feel like they're, like, I feel like the cracks that you see are almost wasted because of how little dynamic you see up until that point. But then, yeah, seeing that and you kind of realise, you know, that, you know, they are really, really struggling with this because they do seem to be quite strong to begin with. You know, they've been through this before, but it's really in that moment that you kind of see how both of them are just, you know, the facade is cracking. And then so Miller wakes up on the roof looking very sick and upset and title credits. It didn't feel like a love story that day. So, again, that's kind of the... the I've seen things. I mean, we know he's kind of left her on the roof. Jumped to Miller waking up in the hospital. Her mother's like by her side and she has like a chest infection and she tries to leave the hospital saying he won't find me here knowing that Moses won't be able to find her in the hospital because, uh, yeah, back to the, the drug thing, he is, she's, she's addicted to him. And then the shower routine. Anna wants Henry to come and check the water pressure. They argue over this part like as a regular occurrence and he's like, you know, we checked this this morning. And he makes a comment on like the medication and stuff. And she says that she's off of all of her medication. because She doesn't want to miss anything. Again, referring to like Miller's kind of final moments. So she's, she's kicked the prescription drugs. She's trying to just be there in the moment to take in all of her daughter's life. So I made a note here of saying like, Jack in the shower symbolizes Anna trying to have control over something because like she can't stop what's happening to her daughter. So she's obsessing over like the small change of, oh, can you change the shower pressure? It's, it's not perfect. So I, I don't know if that was what it was intended or if it was just there just to create like a a little brief little argument between the, the, the Anna and Henry. But yeah, I thought on, on my second watch, I kind of thought that maybe it symbolizes something that she can get control over. Or even just reaching out, trying to have like a connection with um with the dad, with Henry, because it's not even about the water pressure, because as soon as he comes in the bathroom, she's like, oh, we need to talk about Mila. It's about her one trying. They've had that like fight in the car. It's about her trying to bring Henry in again and be like, right, we have to be a team. We have to be a unit. Look, I'm not taking drug. I'm not taking prescription meds anymore. You need to be here with me. Like you need to help me. You need to be more of a you need to be better for us but you need to check the water pressure for me it's like a, it's yeah it's just a metaphor isn't it i think yeah, yeah. Uh, I, what i like about that scene is straight away you just see he's just sat there completely spaced out like in his cereal she's like calling his name and he just he's just so just not there he's just in his own little world trying to escape 
and then it's just the it's just the way that he's just so absent-minded and you know something as simple as the water pressure just kind of triggers such a you know kind of a such a big argument that comes out of it and the mum is treated like such a ticking time bomb as well. Yeah, it's mm, a good point. So then we're back with Miller's violin tutor, uh, who's visited by Anna, and this is where we get a bit more of that hint of, like I said, they they do hint at it, but it, it's never quite clear that they've had like a past together, possibly a love affair, which came to an end. Anna was giving up too much time with Miller for music, which she now regrets, knowing there isn't much time left with Miller. Uh, the neighbor is back out on the street with Henry the dog, and Henry stops by for a visit, and they share that intimate moment where they where they kiss. Uh, but Henry seems like really regretful of this immediately. He like apologizes and leaves. We we brought this up earlier. So did you, Hannah? You 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 touched on this at the beginning. Yeah, it's just yeah. It's we. I just think there are so many parallels between like the dad and Moses. Like even in the very first beginning scene where he, where Moses pushes his shirt to Mila's head, and then the dad and the mum when they're in the in the in his office, and he's like, take one of these pills with food, and he like pushes the sandwich into her mouth, and then they both have this weird younger girl kind of like hookup thing and then he goes and does morphine straight afterwards because he feels so shit about this kiss with the neighbor he's a drug like is he a drug addict has he done this before is it his first time really i don't know because it's weird when like it's my first time it's like oh really is it i don't know yeah i just feel like there's so many parallels to be drawn between them and the bit with the kiss just like stress out loads i was like why is this happening but i know it's because I just, I just feel like this film isn't like a happy love film. It's an uncomfortable film about an age inappropriate relationship and imperfect, messed up people trying to like make the most of the last, you know, moments they have with daughter who's going to die. And I think, yeah, that's just showing the dad be so like vulnerable and weak in this moment and like reaching out for human connection with the neighbor is like it's 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 stressful and you're like oh why are you doing that and it makes you feel uncomfortable but also it's he's weak you know he's it makes him human and it makes him more likable in a way because he's messed up since you moved on to the morphine bit this is something that kind of really that kind of really got going about because because obviously me and you agreed earlier that we don't really like toby the pregnant woman or we kind of think she's a bit of a throwaway character and when you see him taking morphine for the first time that's when I was kind of like this whole subplot could have completely replaced the pregnant character and it wouldn't have made a difference I I, I, I thought to myself that you know this would have been a better form of escape for him than to just try and put this pregnant character in there for it so for me yeah just seeing that whole morphine bit was a lot more I was kind of like this would have made a more compelling kind of escapism for him but then obviously when he's actually when he's kind of succumbing to the morphine and he starts saying like we're losing her this is the first sign for him that he's kind of, I, I think he's kind of accepting that, you know, Mila's going to die. Mm, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I wrote down the next scenes. It's just when Henry's dosing himself with the morphine. We kind of just mentioned that there. And Anna walks in and she like, she helps him and they share that moment together, which as a viewer, we can see they're both struggling because they literally say like, we're losing her, aren't we? And then Henry goes to see Moses, who looks like he's been beaten up. Henry is angry at Moses for leaving Miller on the rooftop, so we fucking should be. (laughs) Um, Moses said he came back for her, but she was gone. Henry invites Moses to come and stay with the family for Miller's sake, offering to write him prescriptions. So this is when the family know that Miller needs him, whether they think it's right or wrong. They're allowing this to happen for her kind of final final days. Or we don't really have a a timeline on this film, do we? Like we don't really know how long it's between 
certain moments. It's quite clear that, you know, she's coming to the end. Uh, Miller's back from hospital. Moses and Miller are in the garden, happy together at home. And then the family are all having dinner together. Henry's taking photos of Miller and Moses. I think the reason he was taking all these photos, again, knowing there's not much time left, although we're not on a, we're not aware of how much time is left, it's still implied there isn't a lot of it because he's really trying to capture these final moments. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought as well. After the whole we're losing her, then he just... From there on, you know, he starts taking these photos of her, these, you know, kind of when she's not looking, kind of these completely organic, kind of candid moments just to try and savour it. Yeah. And then it's the, the the moment at the night time. Moses is like sleeping on the sofa. Anna's walking around late at night. And they have that kind of kind of bonding moment, I suppose, when Moses asks about like what kind of detergent they use in the sheets because they smell amazing. And then Anna asks Moses, like, does your mum know where you, where you are? And Moses obviously says no. I think her questioning it shows like a little bit of caring for this guy now. They're starting to see, but they're, they're seeing something more positive there in, in this boy being in their life. And then Anna goes to sleep next to Miller, which I think was like a really nice, nice moment. It was like a weird role reversal. You know, because I, as a child, if I had bad dreams, I would go into my mum and dad's room and be like, mum, can I get into bed with you guys and stuff? Because I've got, I've had bad dreams, I've got nightmares. And it was quite... I think through a lot of the film, Mila's like the more adult <laughs> like person in the room yeah. a lot of the time, which is strange. Um, and the mum was very childlike there being like, can I get into bed with you? And it was, yeah, it was a very sweet kind of like role reversal of her being really vulnerable in front of her daughter and then just like cuddling up to her. It was, it was a very tender moment. It was really touching. Yeah. And then Mila and Moses are playing piano together and Mila asks her mum to play with her, but she tells her she should be resting. She says like, oh, I just want you to get better. And again, this kind of goes back to the the moment earlier about when she says about the performance that Mila's really frustrated by this because she knows she's not going to get better, but she just wants to feel normal in her in her final time. You know, she wants to play music with her mum and enjoy the moment she's got left. So this is the Just Another Diamond Day uh, where the music comes in, but that's the actual title credit. And Anna arrives home and presents Miller with a dress for her formal. But when trying on, she notices a lump. Yeah, the, her, her illness is like, you know, getting worse. And when she's showing the dress to Moses, Miller realize, realizes that Moses is high and makes the realization that he's being prescribed drugs by her dad to, to be there. It's like, oh, they're pumping, pumping you with drugs. So before, just to back up a little bit, so when she first tries on the dress, this is something we haven't actually touched on at all yet, but occasionally she briefly glances at, at, at directly into the camera and breaks the fall and throughout it I, I, I found it kind of engaging but a little bit pointless. but this one this is the one where I was kind of like you know this is her way of telling us you know this is bad you know this is her way of almost realizing to us you know that it's come back this is bad this is really really bad so yeah just 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 a little thing to pick up on yeah yeah and then yeah so she goes downstairs realizes moses is high and makes the realization that her dad is giving him prescription drugs to stay at the house and then an argument takes place in the family and moses then tells the family about the lump because miller's kind of hiding it from them and uh, miller's quite upset tells moses to go she says like stop wasting my time moses leaves and then we see him go back to his family home to see his younger brother isaac quite an upsetting scene that as well because like you just see the, the troubles of his life you know and the he, he clearly loves his little brother who he's not allowed to see because of his issues with his mother we never see that relationship mend again potentially it could happen off screen we kind of yeah start to get we see we see little snippets of Moses' life without going too far into it i think that kind of goes back on my point that the focus of the film is miller when you know women's yeah. age thing we're just focusing on how she sees things. I do kind of wish there was a little bit more, though. I do kind of wish there was a little bit more for him just to kind of maybe either, maybe even sympathise a little bit, 
but you know it's kind of it's very brushed over so yeah i i do kind of wish there was a little bit more just to kind of give you a bit of backstory no i see what you mean there yeah the moses sneaks back and he goes to miller's bedroom at night and this is where he kind of opens up to her about his troubled relationship with his dad. I think this is pretty much as far as we kind of get with knowing anything else about Moses now. Like he's, you know, we've seen a bit of the what he's got going on with his mum. He's not had a good relationship with his dad. I, th- I personally think there's enough there enough there to sympathise with him. I like that there's more that could have happened off screen. It leaves the viewers to kind of think for themselves what could have happened but then I, I suppose with that it then plays on whether you how how you kind of feel about the relationship as well and how you kind of viewed him throughout the film because if you kind of see the the good in him you might kind of hope for the more good on the off-screen side and then uh, uh, yeah i'm not sure it's, it's open to interpretation again but yeah we see we see a, a brief scene moses and miller playing a board game at home but then we get to the birthday party scene everyone was invited and so it's miller's birthday <laughs> Everyone in the cast was invited. Everyone was invited. <laughs> my no- my notes for this scene are just what was this? <laughs> <laughs> See, I liked the scene. Apart from wondering why a couple of people were there, I really, I mean, I loved the, I loved the performance with her and her mum. I thought that was beautiful. So yeah, it's Miller's birthday. Everyone is gathered at the house for a party. I, I even made a comment. Not entirely sure why the neighbour got an invite, but I do think there's something important about her story which I'll reveal near the end. Yeah, I don't know why she was invited to the birthday party. Maybe, maybe again the off-screen stuff the neighbor might have been a lonely woman miller being the kind caring person she is was like hey come to my come to my party you know and then isaac's also at the party as well and more things can happen off screen we don't know what's kind of happened between for him and moses to be to be able to see each other my theory on that is that moses and miller have been again like i said we don't know about how long the time was in between these scenes Moses and Miller have clearly been together maybe miller has met moses's mother and moses's mum sees the good in Miller and what she can bring the good out in her son and then allows Isaac to go and spend time with them. I'm I'm not sure. I I don't know if you guys thought anything much about that. Well, I would say it's not long because when the party scene happened, I'm like, oh, this must be months in advance. But then I, then the pregnant neighbor's there and you're like, oh, she was pretty preggers at the start of the film. She's pretty preggers now. There's not much time we'll have. It's not like six months down the line, you know? So I just think him cleaning up, and when he's like, when they're ha- the little scene before the party where they're where he's um, coming off drugs, like withdrawing, they really yeah. brushed over that. <laughs> yeah, just like one scene, like oh, he's going for withdrawals, and then next thing you know, he's happy with his, he's re- reunited with his brother, so his mum must be okay with him again. And I felt again that was a bit very brushed over. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for I sure. kind of didn't think about the pregnancy thing because I was kind of thinking in my head of like, oh yeah, we don't know what's going on between. It could have been a few weeks, a couple of months. Um, but yeah, actually saying that. It, probably wasn't that long which probably just speaks to them cra- like Miller cramming in as much life as she can in this really short amount of time you know yeah there's that as well yeah definitely especially after hearing the story of his dad maybe kind of thought okay let's try and fix what we can for you. and maybe she pushed him to go and see his mum and yeah you never know um could have in a few days I-, I i liked that i liked that isaac was there i think that for- from the take that i got of what i, of what I said about like miller kind of trying to fix that i think i, I think that was a nice nice touch to it but yes yeah, so i don't know why the neighbor was there but then this is that really nice moment where miller and anna are together so she finally gets to perform the music with her mum. that music absolutely beautiful piece of music but then that gets interrupted because pregnant neighbor Toby, her water breaks and they're trying to sneak her out. I, I liked that. They sneak her out, but then they have to stop playing to get her to the hospital. If I may back up a little bit, um, you know, the, yeah, you know, the title card, what the dead said to Miller was up before or after the birthday. I thought it was before the birthday. I think we skipped over that a little bit. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's one little bit, but it just literally just consists of, you know, her just kind of sitting with the sun in her eyes and then she looks directly into the camera 
I'll admit, I completely missed it the first time. But that second view here, for me, again, it's the way there's just the words and the words. For me, just seeing that, it's kind of the realisation of her telling the viewers that she's ready to go. And then yeah. so it moves on to um, obviously the birthday, you know, her and her mum are finally playing together. And it's beautiful, but I find it also very tragic because I genuinely, I genuinely believe that her mum is under the assumption that Mila is going to get better or is in fact better. And that's why she's playing with her. Then it really annoys me, obviously, because it's all really beautiful. And then her, her, bloody, her bloody water goes and breaks. And, yeah. you know, it's all. But also, obviously, this, obviously, you don't know yet because obviously the beach scene hasn't been. But after the beach scene, there's actually a pretty interesting bit where, right, so when Mila and, and her mum are playing, her dad's kind of, you know, he's watching, he's filming it. And he just kind of has this moment where he basically just goes really kind of like quiet and looks quite absent. And that's when I think he kind of, he kind of realizes and just kind of has that moment. And it's obviously because, because we haven't seen the beach bit, we don't know yet, but it's just like, he just kind of like stops and there's this kind of like look on his face of just, just genuine sadness. Cause he knows that, you know, he knows that it's close. Yeah. I always say, if you like a film, watch it twice that I mentioned it already on the previous episode of the podcast, but it's, this film especially it's such a it's such a, a different viewing i think the second time around and like for, for moments like that jack yeah you're right in the next scene miller and moses are in bed together so it's later on the night after the party and miller says to moses i can't take another morning mo miller tries to get moses to suffocate her with a pillow wanting to like make the decision herself to end her life maybe like to kind of give her that con- rather than let the illness get her. Moses says to her, which this line's important, I really like that the beach scene is at the end and like it happens in this order. Because then he says to her, like, oh, if you want to kill yourself so bad, just get your dad to give you the morphine. And she's like, no, I can't mm-hmm. do that. It would kill Henry. And then, yeah, she like begs Moses, telling him how painful it is in her body. But very reluct- reluctantly and emotionally, Moses agrees. And he starts to like suffocate with the pillow. I was really confused by that scene the first time. Because I was just like, there's no way he could do that. I don't know. I struggled with that part. I struggled with it, but then I also struggled with what followed. But I mean, yeah, it was it was it was quite broad and flinching though. How you know she's just there, just shaking, and obviously violently, and he's just there. So yeah, I felt that kind of shifted the tone quite a bit. But then it's what follows, which really I I, I don't know if you want to add anything, Anna, before I say something on that. <laughs> yeah, no, just that. Yeah, the um the uh, attempted murder. I don't know if you would call it that, but like that whole bit, I don't know about you guys, but my, I was holding my breath the whole time because yeah. I was like, is this how it ends? You know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I was like, is this, is this how she goes in this really unceremonious kind of like, but, but like dark way. Mm. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Go on, Jack. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just get to that part first. The, the next bit. So, so yeah, failing to yeah. follow through with that, Miller notices a tooth's fallen out. So this kind of goes back to the mention of the, the baby tooth and obviously the title of the film. She's finally lost that last baby tooth. And then they go on to make love for the first time, which I know we're going to have some issues with. Yeah, I think the symbolism of the baby, if you kind of take age out of it, like I think that kind of, I don't know if that baby tooth was to symbolize like she's lost that now, she's an adult. But there, there's something significant in that moment. You know, she's 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 lost, let go of something she's held on to her whole life. And yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to have this guy. So Hannah, you go first because you're, you look itching to go. Just got, I just got something to say because I wrote down um, that when she holds her baby tooth, her hand shakes in the same way that when Moses was withdrawing from drugs, his hand shakes on the 
when he's lying on the sofa and I thought that was I was just like oh that's good acting yeah. um it's just like it's just yeah. a cool little like, little physicality thing where he wasn't like like doing an overacting of like I'm withdrawing from drugs he was like trying to be chill but the noise of the game that me is like playing the connect for or whatever was like shocking it was like Ugh, it was grating on him and then his hand like shaking and then and I was going to ask you guys like why do you think her hand was shaking too because I didn't really get it but when you just said about like she's letting go of something from her life her youth her innocence almost and then they have sex or or uh, would it be more appropriate to say she was raped i'm not sure i don't (sighs) because of the age i don't know she's consenting but the age difference and then when he's withdrawn from the drugs he's letting go of like his drug addiction when his hand is shaking and there's that little like again that mirroring of their physicality or their like little things that they have in common yeah um i mean i I hated that scene flat out because it was just, you know, because obviously the implication and how just generally uncomfortable it is. But I also hate the fact that he goes from trying to kill her one second to, you know, just kind of straight in the mood and just, yeah, it just, it, I, it was very uncomfortable to watch and I really did not enjoy that scene. I absolutely despised that scene. That really just didn't sit, sit with me at all. Yeah, I think by that point in the film, as much as I really liked the film, it left me with that was the biggest part I disliked because I was just like, why did I have to do that? But I think when watching it and I got to that scene, I think I'd kind of just told myself, you know, I am just watching a film. I tried to kind of take that side of it away and just, again, focus on the Miller side of it. But yeah, it was very weird. I didn't get the the, the, the pillow thing. And then it makes it even weirder to then go into the sex scene. It, it's hard to say that I don't think they should have included it because... I feel there's parts of it which work, like the whole, you know, losing the baby tooth. If you take age out of it, it kind of symbolizes that she's left something from her youth behind and then she goes on to have sex, which is kind of like an adult thing. The the symbolism's fine, I suppose, but just, again, the fact of the age is just a bit blech. So yeah, I think that's that's all we can kind of say on, on that part. But then we then go on to the two very emotional scenes where, oh no, sorry, just, just before this part. Uh, is in is in the night. Miller wakes up in the night and she walks around the house and she's like taking a look in her parents' bedroom. She walks outside to like the early morning daylight and hears the birds chirping. Look, you know, looks towards the sky, and then we then cut to the morning. And this is when Moses walks out to like the breakfast bar where Anna and Henry they're kind of they're in good spirits, aren't they? They're kind of like joking around. They even like mention the fact like, oh, do you think they're having sex? And they're like, yeah, but they're like yeah. fine with it. And yeah, so they say like, oh, is is Miller awake? Like, and he just shakes his head. He doesn't say. He's just, yeah, he he's very meek about it, and he's just so like, yeah. yeah. And then her dad literally just stops dead in his tracks, and then he just you can just see the look on his face is just absolute devastation because he knows it's happened, and that one that one look is more than any word can say. But the mum is just so oblivious, and she's just. You know, just gonna like, oh, you know, gonna go in there and see if she's okay. You know, gonna gonna go give her this breakfast, and they're both of them, Moses and her dad, are just literally just there, stood because they know what's happened, and she's just, oh, it's 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 heart wrenching. It's an absolutely heart wrenching scene. Yeah, because Moses mentions like she got up, she's like, oh, she got up once at like four a.m., and then her mother's like, oh, she didn't need her morphine this morning, taking it like yeah. like a good thing, like oh, she's she's needed that every day for the past six weeks. She obviously did, was, must be feeling better because that like. Her mother's really clinging on to that hope, isn't she? Yeah. And Moses says, like, no, she didn't need her morphine with a really, like, peaceful, knowing smile. He's like, no, she didn't need it. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so then Anna goes into the to, into the bedroom to take the breakfast. And again, H- Henry is just completely still. Like, Henry knows. Anna comes back in tears. 
And this is when us as the viewers, if we haven't kind of already guessed, Miller is dead. Anna screams and she's like hitting Moses. It's so, oh, that scene was so sad when she's like, I didn't get to say goodbye. And Henry goes into the room and just kind of like cradles her, like kind of, I think he closes her eyes and it's very, very sad scene. It's a really good contrast between the two of them because, you know, he goes in there, he's very, very peaceful he's slightly removing her wig and he's having this part of the moment with her but in the background you can still hear her screaming and being as she's kind of processing it own way because as I said about you know when I sit there watching them play he knows that it's going to happen and then obviously we kind of find out about the beach scene so he knows it's coming you know he's kind of made his piece of it but he knows that he can't tell the mum he knows that he knows she won't be able to she won't be able to deal with it so it's like contrasting yeah, and Anna and Moses, uh, uh, as much as that she started kind of hitting him, they kind of then kind of embrace each other and kind of have that emotional breakdown cry, which I think is quite important in the sense of like Moses is kind of being part of their family now, although there's like a there's that resistance. But yeah, there's a, there's a lot of emotion there. And now we move on to the final scene, which is the big one, the beach scene. Issues ready, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was I was already crying and then just continued crying for the last like 10 minutes of the film like uh, throughout both of these scenes <laughs> so the beach scene takes place earlier on in the day of the party so we, we I mean we know this because of the clothes they're wearing you can see sort of like there's some strong hints of what's going on you know the neighbor's still pregnant we see her sat on the beach Isaac's with them so it's, it's that same day and uh, Henry's taking photos of Miller Moses and Isaac and then Moses kind of go off and play and oh, every line here is just so heart-wrenching but miller turns to henry she's like i'm tired henry and he says you know we'll be okay so she's telling him like you know i'm done this is it yeah so just to just to just to go back a little bit she so she says you know i'm tired henry and he kind of briefly discards it if you know yeah it's fine but then it's the first time she, she calls him dad she says dad i'm tired that's when you kind of see he just kind of looks and he just says you know we'll be okay that's when he kind of realizes this is the first time i think it's the first time that she calls him dad because she spends the entire time calling him henry throughout the film but then she says you know dad i'm tired and that's when he kind of like he just accepts it and then it's just yeah and then the fumble of the camera and he's like basically like oh you know do this with the camera so i know to take a photo but he's doing it for, to try and not to cry and it's just oh it's just a heart wrenching i've got another theory of the camera but i'm uh, we'll get through the plot and then i'm gonna i'm gonna raise that yeah. big point about it but yeah so miller uh, take photos of her dad and um, she's like i want to do it and then he's handing the camera over and he's like explaining how to use the camera so I, I'm going to come back to that moment. But then, oh, this is this next line is the bit that literally choked me when she's like, we look after Moses, dad. And he's like, yeah, because like, again, all, all the all the like problems with Moses, there's still this girl that's just so in love with this boy. And she really wants to care for him and wants him to kind of be looked after when she's gone. And I think for me, although that scene was kind of building up to knowing she's like going to die on this last day, I think that kind of scene kind of was like the nail of it going like, yeah, she's definitely like passing on almost like what needs to be done, you know? Mm. And then, mm. um, yeah, Henry's like holding back the tears. As we know what's going on, he knows his daughter's decided this is going to be like the last day of her life. And she says that line, I'm going to enjoy becoming part of the sky like this, dad. And then Henry kisses his wife, pulls back the tears and has a photo taken with his wife. They will cough. End credits. What was your theory? What was your theory on the camera? I'm quite interested to hear that. So the camera, mm. right? 
You know how Moses says to her, why didn't you get your dad to give you like an overdose if you want to kill, kill you off? And she's like, no, I can't do that to Henry. They've already discussed that. Henry has told her a way to apply medicine herself to, to kill herself. But she's having doubts about that. So though she's decided this is the final day, she's having doubts of that because she's like, if I do this, her dad's going to feel so guilty. So she's trying to give Moses the chance to do it. Like, can you just suffocate me with this pillow? And then that doesn't happen. So then when she wakes up in the night at 4am, she does go to get the medicine to apply herself to, you know, to, to end her life herself. And that uh, symbolizes her dad kind of explaining how to use it. I didn't write down the exact words he says, but just the way he's kind of showing her like how to use a camera and like you need to use this is like, I think it's a, like a certain like a type of morphine or how to inject the morphine. And he's just, that. that's my take. It symbolizes how to apply the medicine herself so that she can apply it and kill herself basically. Wow. That's that's one hell of a way of looking at it. I, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. And that was something which, it, it, that's what it's, that which made me love this film of just like so much off-screen things you know Mm. did you pick up anything like that hannah well i had a really the first time i watched it um no the second time i watched it was with my boyfriend and and for like 20 minutes afterwards we had a chat about uh i was like do you think moses did like the pillow over her head or like after like in the morning because the dad was like when they were like when they were sat at the breakfast bar the mum and the dad and they're like did you hear them having sex and the dad's like oh i don't know that kind of struggling kind of sound male uh, i don't know like maybe moses did like put like suffocate her the next morning and they like heard noise of like the bed like moving or whatever and they were like oh they're having sex but actually like did that happen and then my boyfriend was like maybe he did succeed with killing her and maybe the sex was kind of like her i don't know she's dead she's dead and she's just kind of like her last kind of memory is of what she wished could have happened or like what she wanted to happen or something so we had like a really big debate about that and i don't really know where i sit on either of them i like your theory better than either of my theories so (laughs) yeah yours is really dark (laughs) oh yeah sorry (laughs) Yeah, I, I really liked that. I mean, it's, again, like no, I don't know if it's true. I'd love to kind of listen to the create like the writers and you know see what's going on. I, I think again, it's just open to interpretation. But I, I found that really interesting, and it really then explains the. Cause it's quite weird when he's explaining how to use the camera, like really like over explaining, and yeah, it's odd. But that's what I love about the film. Like so much happens off screen, so it's also leaving some obvious things to the viewer's imagination, leaving us to wonder what happens off screen as well as in between the scenes. Now. We mentioned the pregnant neighbor a few times. My theory of why she was there. You know, there's that kind of one life ends, another begins type motive. Like, it's, it, I don't know if it's more of like a religious thing or not, but it's like a thing, isn't it? Of like, people kind of believe that, when, you know, when a baby's born, when someone dies. And it, so that's how a baby is being born, or at least she's going into labor on the same day that Miller's having her final day. So I think that's like, it's a small thing, but I think it kind of symbolizes that, like she's having the baby the day Miller's dying. Okay. The, the abruptness of the water breaking and stopping the performance, stopping the beautiful performance, the beautiful life, and yeah. how death like is going to stop the beautiful performance of Miller's life so far. That like... That's something that I wrote down that I was, when that happened, I was like, oh, death. Yeah. So I do <laughs> think the pregnancy was quite, like, quite relevant. Um, and yeah, we, we've kind of touched on it a lot, but I think Henry was kind of drawn to her as someone in need. He wanted to help her. There's so much of his life he can't control. He's trying to, like, just help, you know, to help anyone else he can. So the simple jobs he does for the neighbors gives him that kind of feeling of doing something good. And then he kisses her, I think, almost in like a confusion. Because you can tell he immediately regrets it because like he's having issues with his wife. He's having issues with just everything. Yeah, we kind of t- 
throughout. But yeah, I think I think the pregnant neighbour was quite relevant for the story. Uh, I never think I never think you're saying about the camera. Uh, something I kind of thought about the camera is you know you see him using his camera phone to capture these moments, but then when he finds out about when he kind of realizes that you know she's accepted that she's going to die and she's okay with dying, that's when he's using this this actual camera to get these like proper physical photos i just i don't know i, I thought like you know as opposed to you know photos on your phone you can kind of scroll through you had like you wanted this like physical actual something like a, a memento to remember by that was just yeah kind of, kind of thought of yeah that's interesting because he does go from camera phone to to, yeah. to the yeah no just saying that yeah it was good foreshadowing of him suddenly using cameras all the time and trying to capture things you you kind of were like he he knows time's running out like this and it, yeah it helped you kind of be like oh she's gonna die soon there were so many things preparing you for it throughout yeah well that's all the comments that i got about like the the symbolism then like i i yeah that camera thing was a big thing for me that um yeah i don't, I don't know if it was meant to be there or not but that was that was like a huge moment and um yeah no i i really liked the film i think uh, it, it's, it says a lot about a film if you like, I, I watched this and then immediately watched it again the next day. That's how much I liked it and took took more of it in. And it is so different on the second view. And yeah, so I'm I'm generally a big fan of this film. So kind of overall then, Jack, have we kind of changed your mind at all? Or what's your kind of thoughts now? <laughs> uh, would you want? I'll, I'll, I'll give you my final, I'll give you my final verdict then, shall I? I'll just, <laughs> right. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I wanted to love this film. I, I am an absolute sucker when it comes to coming-of-age films. I love coming-of-age films. You know, this had some of the most simplistic yet heart-wrenching scenes I've seen. But every good bit that happened, every moment that could have been as tender and innocent, as beautiful, to me was overshadowed by that age gap. And it replaced all the feeling with some kind of creepy and uncomfortable thing. And it just takes away from so many of the core scenes for me. I mean, watching the last scene on the beach for the first time honestly devastated me. It, it saved the film for me, but also made me quite angry because after all of that, all I could think was, you know, I could have easily watched a film of the family dynamic. Moses didn't even, it didn't even have to be in it for me. It could have just been those three. And I think it would have been fantastic because of their chemistry. And as I said, Ben Mendelhose and he, he completely steals it for me. Completely steals it. He was fantastic. Wanted to love it, liked it, but there is the shadow over it, which stops me loving it. Unfortunately. I loved it, even though I feel awful saying I loved it now. And I'm like, oh, this is going to sound so bad. But I loved it because it was a complex view of like deeply flawed, problematic people living a really living in a really fucked up situation. And I think that that's just I just really connected with that. And like as someone who's been through losing family members to cancer and like lost like my my brother when he was like 18 not through cancer but like he died when he was young I've just like I just really connected with so many parts of it and it was just so accurate and so true and I think it wasn't a story about like romantic love I think it was a story about people just searching for connection and like growing and developing and yeah I thought it was everyone was just so contradictory and was on like a weird journey and what I did like was that it wasn't like I don't think it played into those films like A Fault in Our Stars and stuff like that where they, they rely on like this manic pixie dream girl who has cancer they didn't rely on the trope of that like bettering the male characters because they still are kind of a bit fucked up and a bit like 
all right, he's not on drugs now, but like, shit, man, his girlfriend or whatever just died. And is he going to go back on them? You don't know. Are his family, are the family going to look after him even if she asked them to? I don't know. It's, he seems like a pretty precarious dude. Are the family going to stay together? It seemed like she was the only thing bringing the mum and dad together, but are they going to? Probably not. Life's like just so flawed and insane and, and everyone's changing in, in flux all the time. But I felt the film wasn't exhibitional i don't think it was like this is a harrowing account of drugs and cancer it was like these are people who are really messed up scrambling to kind of like make something good out of life in the short time they have it or in the t- or you know kind of like how they're gonna live afterwards they're trying to make sense of that and that's what i thought was really well done about it and i really enjoyed about it with you jack though didn't enjoy creepy underageness yeah no i'm completely with you it's not it was a love story but not a romantic love story you know everything about it had i I love you mentioned uh, early on about like the juxtaposition and it's just yeah there's i think that's what makes me like it so much is almost not really knowing and there just being so much that there could be about it and I'm, I'm waffling a bit here, but yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said, Hannah. That's uh, yeah, I'm agreeing with that. But yeah, also, also not approving of the age age thing. That was the, the first time I watched it. <laughs> the first time I watched it, I think I, I, I edited my letterbox review a few times. I kind of sat with it for like a half an hour, then an hour, then the next day, and I was like, I just can't go with this age thing. I don't get it. Someone explained it to me, and I spent all all like all day searching on the internet for someone else talking about it and it was so hard to find people talking about it so yeah I, yeah exactly yeah i was because obviously the first thing you do when you finish a film now well hannah will start doing this is you look on letterbox and you see the reviews and i <laughs> went through so many reviews and not one of them mentioned it and i'm kind of like am i missing something here like why is this not being talked about so i'm glad i'm glad that we have you know discussed that and brought it up and all thought that it was a shame yeah well that was uh so that was baby teeth jack and hannah thank you thank you so much for coming on like i said at the beginning i've been really excited to do this episode and been fantastic guests so if ever you want to come back on hopefully jack will get a film that you absolutely love as well so yeah a film that i love and you hate and then we'll yes we'll turn it on a seal for a change no, thank you for having me it's been absolutely amazing do you know what I thought would be cool if we all recommended a film to watch maybe mm. it would be cool I don't know because mm. like I don't yeah I'm like talking to film friends now I'm like what should I watch guys tell me something <laughs> to watch I will say so this will be an upcoming episode so I'd recommend Booksmart to get the listeners prepared for the next few episodes I will be releasing go check out Booksmart Jack you mentioned you haven't seen it it is fantastic Hannah have you seen Booksmart? Yeah yeah so Booksmart is my one um, Hannah what's, what's your recommendation? Um, I watched a film called St. Francis that's on Netflix the same night I watched Baby Teeth for the first time I was having like a bit of a bad mental health night and I just hold up in my bedroom and just watch like really sad films as you do and I watched St. Francis and I thought that was really good I thought that's that beautiful. was like Beautiful. Yeah, I thought I was watching Saint Maud when I put it on first, and I quickly realised it wasn't Saint Maud. I think I'm saying that right. And I was like, "Well, this is a delightful tale of you know acceptance and family and like growth, not the scary nun thing." Um, But I want to watch Saint Maud as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually another one of our first episodes I'm recording in a couple of weeks' time. Saint Maud, I loved it. Ah, Saint Maud is phenomenal. That end scene absolutely. It's terrified oh, me. That last second. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it chill, oh. It'll chill you. Chill you to the bone. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. What, what film are you recommending, Jack? Um, okay, right. I will recommend a film that's kind of feel good. It was my favourite film of 2019, and it's a film called The Last Black Man in San Francisco. <laughs> you have seen it? It is 
it's just such a beautifully shot film. It's a it's a proper indie film. You watch it, you'd be like, oh, this is so. But it is just it's a very simplistic plot. It's about a it's about a black man trying to reclaim his old home in in, in San Francisco. That's now being it's in a gentrified neighborhood. It's so expensive. It's owned by two white people, and it's how like he's trying to reclaim his home. But it's just it's so beautiful. Every no scene is wasted. The soundtrack is so artfully crafted around the film, and it's just it's a beautiful film start to finish. I can't recommend it enough. It's such a unique experience. I am so, yeah. adding that to the letterbox list. Uh, I've just quickly Googled it as well. Great runtime, two hours and one minute. Two hour films are <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. Again, thank you so much, guys. So we'll, uh, we'll end it here. Thank you very much. And we will definitely get you back on again someday. Thank you. Sweet. Cheers, dude. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Silver Screen Unseen. Huge thank you to Hannah and Jake for joining me on this one. Also, shout out to An Earful Podcast. We are creating a network of shows under the brand. Some of the shows which have been released recently, Matt and Matty have had chats with rock bands Red Fang as well as Soft Cult on recent episodes. Alex Smith is back with the Hardcore Project. He's had guests including Vexed and a huge one, The Devil Wears Prada. So if you like your heavy music, go and check those out. Me and the guys will also be doing some bonus horror stuff. So keep an eye on the socials for more content coming soon. Follow the Twitter and Instagram at an earful podcast. If you've got anything you want to add to the discussion we've had on the films today or in recent episodes, send us a tweet. I'm on the socials as well, so we can have a chat about it. And yeah, at the end of each episode, I like to reveal what the next episode is going to be covering so that if you haven't already seen it, you've got a few weeks to go and check it out. Episode four will be released on Friday, the 14th of July, and we will be covering Nightcrawler, starring my favourite actor, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's on UK Netflix, so go and check it out, and we will see you on the next episode of Silver Screen Unseen.